God damn you. It is a little strange that we have such an aversion to slavery uh, because historically there have been abuses for many people, poor people, perhaps people who weren't educated, perhaps people who had no other opportunity. Working for a gentle, caring, loving master was the best of all possible worlds. Campus is a loaded minefield. There are girls everywhere. It's guaranteed that I will pass some attractive girls as I walk in between classes. If it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season, and she endures perhaps being smacked one night, and then she seeks help from the church. It would be hard for me to see how a woman could be a drill sergeant, right face, left face, keep your mouth shut, private, oh, oh, over, over men without violating their sense of manhood and her sense of womanhood. Go home. They want power, not equality. This is the highest location they can ascend to that power in the evangelical church. We are meaning makers and storytellers. And the stories we tell ourselves are the stories that shape our lives. We need each other badly or goodly. We need each other. And we keep forgetting again and again and again that we are loved. And we say, no, I'm no good. No, I messed it all up. No, I feel so guilty. No, I feel so ashamed. We need each other. In the midst of this difficult, dark, and often violent world, we need to have a community of support to which we can call all people and be a community of hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of The Opening. This is going to be part two of my conversation with Richard Dixon. He is a journalist with a doctorate in biology who lives in London. And we just met on Twitter and started having some back and forth. And he asked if uh, I'd be interested in having a conversation with him. And so I said yes. And we uh, did part one last week. And today we're going to be doing part two. I'll be sharing it with you. And uh, his his PhD is interesting. He actually did a, a PhD processing thousands of fish blood and urine samples. And so, you know, a lot of uh, people tend to fear those scientists out there. They think that they're doing some kind of conspiratorial type work. But no, he was pretty much just doing fish blood and urine samples. And we didn't get a chance to get into that. Because uh, in this conversation, most of his, his work today is actually in journalism. And so we dealt more with issues of politics and religion. So anyway, we did part one last week, and here is part two. phases I went through um, going right back to say the um, uh, you know the, the, my PhD days so uh, you know I saw it's quite hard to remember precisely what I really what I thought all those years ago but I think probably I saw the the Genesis story as being allegorical or mythical so it was 
it wasn't it, it was wrong in the detail but it was just trying to say that there was a deity behind the everything we saw um to be quite honest the noah story um which i think i now tend to go for the um sort of christopher hitchens or seth andrews interpretation mm-hmm. you know a, a, a stunning tale of genocide and incest mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um uh, to be honest, I I probably just didn't really think about it terribly seriously. Um, yeah. Well, the, um, actually, the last the last week that we went to church, the next week they were going to be talking about Noah's flood, and I asked the priest. Right. I said, because we were at an Anglican church then. I said, I said, you okay. don't believe the flood happened, and he said, no. I said, so why next week are you going to tell our kids that God drowned the whole world? Yeah. And he yeah. said, well, you just got to trust us you know, over the, over the, the, the years that we're gonna, you know, shepherd you guys yeah. in the right way. And I'm like, but I've got, I've got four and five-year-old kids yeah. and you're going to tell them that God drowned the whole world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is that going to do to their, to their minds yeah. and their hearts? Yeah. yeah. Of course, when you, I don't think I've got it to hand. Here. Oh, yes, I have actually. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I've got this child's Bible. And it, it, what's fascinating about this, so this is published by the Bible Society, which is uh, in this country, it, uh, it says what it does on the tin, you know, it's a mm-hmm. big deal. And the Noah's, the Noah's story, of course, it's all just reduced to, um, you know, all, all, all the, 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 the genocide is rather played down and it, it becomes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all very cuddly and, you know, it's rain. <laughs> Um, it is quite extraordinary, and um, yeah, one of the things I did realise is that you know, I, I mean, I, I sort of started seeing the you know the the, the whole the well bits of the Bible. I thought I thought I had read the whole Bible, but poss- I may well have done, but I think I did. But actually, there were things I'd just not actually I'd read, but I'd actually not really just taken on board mm-hmm. what they were telling me. Um, so. Anyway, I mean, I say during this deconversion process, I'd call it um, uh, some of it was some of it was just actually, I guess, like what's been happening with you, where I'd, I've just sort of noticed that um, uh, you know there's um, misogyny in the church, there's uh, rape, racism, there's there's loads of racism in the church in this country. You know, one of the reasons why there are black churches in this country is because of the appalling racist attitudes mm-hmm. they that newly arrived Christians, particularly from the from the West Indies, um, after the Second World War, faced when they came into the established churches here. So they said, you know, we're not going to stick stick up with this. So we'll uh, cope, uh, handle this. So we'll go and set up our own churches. And so over the years, it's just become easier and easier, really, for me to just say, I'm going to park all of this as um, you know, it's a fantastic, it's a, you know, it's a, a, a world shaping piece of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, I'm, I'm going to sort of park it to some extent and rethink 
where I get my morality from and and just yeah. read a lot more and and so that's where I've got to um uh and we'll we'll see what happens but it I mean some of it started just out of um what one of the precipitations was simply that uh, my my mother was 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 ill and died that wasn't the reason for me, quote unquote, losing my faith, but simply in terms of looking, helping to look after her and um, then sort out her estate afterwards. It meant that that had to be done at weekends with uh, other family members. And it meant I didn't attend church for 18 months, mm-hmm. at the end of which I just didn't want to go back. And so that started a process, but equally... You know, I remember being in work and, uh, you know, in the media, there's always been uh, a representation often of quite out uh, gay uh, men and women. And, um, you know, just one day I just sort of thought, well, how am I intrinsically better than mm-hmm. this guy I work with every day who's who's out and gay? What, what, what makes me intrinsically a better person than him? Um, mm-hmm. And so and so and so it's continued. So really, I you know I, I've arrived at a position where I feel horrible, a dreadful word to use, comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel um, I think more integra- integrated or uh, have more integrity by uh, not having to try and you know cherry pick anything from the Bible or um, or indeed any other religion for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, or any other scriptures, and and just really, uh, yeah, I think where where you're coming from, which is you know the the, the version of the golden rule, you know, neighbor, good neighbourliness, mm-hmm. and um, not always putting ourselves first, um, and that can be quite difficult. But hey, yeah, but I'm I'm wittering on. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, I feel like like I recently um, started reading the the Quran as well. And just because it's totally different um, from where I grew up in. And I feel like um, when I read the Bible and when I read the Quran, um, the Hebrew Bible, the New Testament, like I feel very triggered a lot. Yes. Yeah. But when I read Jewish, Christian, Muslim and Buddhist mystics and poets and I read their poetry, like I resonate with a lot of it across yeah. the religions yes i don't know if you've experienced any, anything like that yeah poetry a, a little yeah i mean a little i mean i am i mean i'm poetry is poetry is not my strongest yeah suit i mean um you know one of my one of my best friends is a poet a published poet mm-hmm. um uh i yeah i it's it's not for me um my my sort of go to um art form if you like mm-hmm. uh, i mean as far as words are concerned i'm very much a i'm very much a you know well firstly a still a, a hardcore news guy and then mm-hmm. an opinion an opinion guy and then a and then after that a fiction well a non-fiction then a fiction guy but yeah no mm-hmm. I, I understand i mean i think there are common themes i mean i think the 
I suppose that again, the big thing for me in the end is that um, is that while I appreciate the huge inspiration uh, that uh, various types of uh, again spirituality i sort of put it in quotes but mm-hmm. um have uh in that they've inspired um i because i'm now at the place where um i'm uh, you know just very well agnostic slash skeptical about the, about anything supernatural mm-hmm. um uh, I I I tend, you know, I I tend to, um, I suppose the 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 the, the, the fonds et or again the 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 inspire the, 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 the alleged inspiration for these things I I I don't take I don't accept, yeah. but I I see they are part of other. So if somebody else has a perception, as I used to, mm-hmm. that you know I used to think God was totally real and Jesus was totally real and the Holy Spirit was totally real. And I used to speak in tongues and all sorts of mm-hmm. you know wild, wild and wacky stuff. Um, so <laughs> so yeah, so so uh, I see that that is other people's experience, but it's it's no longer mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like so like w- the way I've studied the religions, a lot of them, like the major ones, they all when they were forming had this very hierarchical view of the cosmos, where yeah. you know you had the divine realm. And then below that, you had the earthly realm and then the underworld and the divine realm was mirrored in the human realm, you know, where the gods were acted through kings and there was a hierarchy of humans. So it was all power games. And, you know, and and then and you, you see that in across the religions, they all had their, you know, the monotheistic religions had their sky god at the top of, you know, the god above all the other gods. And I think that what we've what we've come to realize is that the cosmos is not a hierarchy. Um, it's a, it's an evolving cosmos, a, an expanding one, a becoming one. It's yeah. a relational cosmos, and and so like um, where I've in the, the the medieval Christian mystics, they would they started talking a lot more about the relationality of all creatures, um, mm-hmm. like uh, you know they would talk about how we're a family and stuff, but they talked about it within this concept of the chain of the great chain of being. So it was still hierarchical. And so where I'm at is I resonate with like the, the relationality language um, Mm -hmm. of how we're one of how we're becoming. um, And, and we're related, we're related to the earth. We're related to the animals We're related to, you know, the stars and so um, that's where I think the poetry thing comes in for me is I see yeah. I see poets across the religion talking about relationship and talking yeah. about that space where words dissolve to just being present with one another. And, and that's that's what resonates with me. But when I read specific holy books, you know, I read about Yahweh and I'm, I feel like I'm reading about a cantankerous dad a lot, you know, just. You're, well, you on you. and <laughs> and same with I, I like i don't want to be anti you know is, you know islamophobia or anything but i'm getting the same feelings as i'm reading about allah yeah you yeah. know you do this or i'm gonna torture yeah. you yeah. you know i mean the thing is uh, yeah so i mean i mean i know um and and comment a lot less about um <clears throat> Uh, the Quran than I do. I mean, so you know, my my focus. If I'm sort of critiquing religion, it's it is 
primarily where I've come from, yeah, uh, which is the Judeo-Christian tradition. Um, yeah, the, the what is interesting for me. So, so you know, back in the day, back in the nineteen seventies. So, you know, you start to know precisely how old I am. Uh, mm. But I was an ecology student back in the nineteen seventies. You know, so. Um, I was, um, you know, learning about global warming still largely from a theoretical perspective rather than, a, um, you know, a sort of here's the data in your face on the daily news bulletin uh, perspective. And I mean, at the time, and I was I was really even then, you know, uh, uh, operating in that area of, you know, biological science and um ecology and then going on to um uh physiology um you know there there were things i was wrestling with even then so i mean just at the level of <clears throat> the um in the the creation narratives there's this basic uh the translation i think talks about um the, the man as a species having dominion mm -hmm. over the over the planet and of course that is uh That's rather at odds yeah and it's rather at odds with um well what what it what it does do if you follow through on that as i think probably <clears throat> as a species we have done is that we we have the mess we have now with uh global warming and uh destruction of habitats and all and all the rest of it and so even then you know i was wrestling with well here's the here's this academic research-based um viewpoint which is that basically a dominion uh, exercising dominion is actually not a good long-term mm -hmm. uh position to 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 be in uh, uh or good behavior to to uh to follow through on but the bible is telling me that you know we're somehow we're we're, we're special 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 mm -hmm. uh we've got you know um you know we're 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 um we're the ones that the, the world and the, the whole universe has been sort of created for you know we mm -hmm. we you know we're made in god's image and and so i mean even at the level then of um you know if if we've if we've got the potential for for everlasting life well what about what about the dog what about the cat what about you know mm -hmm. uh, what about what about the, the the primates who are um frighteningly like like me <laughs> mm -hmm. um, wouldn't everything yeah. that has consciousness have a yeah, consciousness yeah. that continues yeah under that so, so yeah so um yeah so so at all sorts of levels i mean i i've you know stage by stage bit by bit and i've you know i've i've, I've not got there yet maybe never will because uh, but but i've i've sh i've been shedding uh a lot of this um stuff basically mm -hmm. um and it, what is interesting is actually to see, you know, particularly when you've been shaped by this stuff from childhood and however gentle, it was relatively gentle. 
Um, but and it was and it was being done basically it wasn't being done by cynical adults. Um, uh, unlike I'd say some of the people in the um, the televangelists and the mega churches who I I really do they believe all this crap? I really I'm not <laughs> sure if they do. Um, but the people who who quote unquote indoctrinated or taught me when I was a kid was was sincere. They were sincere and. Uh, in my experience, also they were they were very well behaved towards children, which mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't the case in every single uh, church either. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I've been on this process of I think just well shedding stuff and thinking, well, actually, what do I? I, I, can't, I can't have a void, a kind of a moral vacuum in my life, but actually, what really trying to work out how. I arrive at my morality and a lot of it I realize actually a lot of what was um, you know attributed to God and Jesus actually it's just it's how we have evolved as a species I mean that's why I think most most people are quite decent because there's actually uh, there there are these conflicting things as fear of the stranger on one hand Mm -hmm. as the getting together kinship but but also most of us don't go you know we starting in our neighborhoods most of us don't go and break into our neighbor's household and you know steal their steal their stuff and and rape rape their wives and daughters because um we understand that you know we we have a coherence as a as a as a society as a as a as a, as a clan uh, as, as groups and uh, this stuff is actually how we are it doesn't need it doesn't need this sort of supernatural woo sort of mm-hmm. like glued yeah. around it to to make it work yeah and i think that goes back to where the whole conversation started of accepting reality like you know the the traditional christian narrative is that is creation that everything was created perfect and and separate and distinct from one another. And then it fell with Adam's sin. And now everything yeah. is run down. And so like if you look at if you look at the complexities of society today with that narrative, you're gonna ultimately be disappointed with with the universe and with humanity. Yeah. But if you see the narrative and the reality of evolution where we have evolved and have grown as a community out of the like as animals into who we are today mm-hmm. suddenly to me that's something that you can appreciate like that we're not out there just eating one another all the time and yeah. like there's goodness that has grown from this and and we're actually related there's a response i feel a responsibility to animals and to plants and to the earth and and everything because like we literally are related we literally yeah, are yeah. a family yeah and and that acceptance yeah. of that reality i think affects the way we treat one another including yeah. the planet yeah and and i mean another i mean these are big things which you know we can hopefully you know talk about some more um but i mean you know as i've been you know the sort of these are just really like you know bullet points with you know huge mm-hmm chapters books libraries <laughs> underneath them um 
but things like for example so that the, the again specifically the the christian thing the the, the concept of sin itself mm-hmm. um i mean it's it's a circular i now see it as a circular argument you know um there there is sin there is a fallen world therefore so th- this is a problem there is a holy god we're separated from this holy god therefore there's a problem therefore we need some way to bridge this problem therefore jesus well the whole thing to me just looks like it's um now i mean i bought you know i completely bought it um Mm. but now i just see that as a a circular argument you know looking at it you know reject the idea of of well is there a god i don't think so anymore um therefore there isn't a problem there is not a sin problem therefore there's no need for this specified individual named savior Mm -hmm. um there's 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 that whole thing it just collapses and what so what does this leave us with it leaves us with actually what america does day to day week to week um uh, what um, most societies, to a greater or lesser extent, do day to day, week to week. We have a, a system based on uh, law. We we debate laws. We have arguments about laws. Obviously, we have you know religious and other inputs into laws. But we arrive at laws. We recognise, uh, or at least before the era of Trump. Mm-hmm. We recognise um, we recognise the rule of law. That we we see that other societies that respect the rule of law, greater or less than ours, tend to be better or worse than ours. Um, no god, no god needed, and we will um, over time uh, arrive. We hope at more civilised, more uh, more just, more fair. Um, better ways of organizing ourselves mm-hmm. uh, but no no good no god needed um so this is sort of where i've i've got to yeah. you know but you know realizing that other people are in you know they're, they're in other places and if we can agree on values then that's a, a great place to be even if we're not going to agree on mm-hmm. the beliefs that shape our values yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for me, like the hierarchical God at the top of the, you know, the seventh heaven up there, like that doesn't exist. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and so where my posture has been, has been more of one of um, learning what the reality that we do have is. And to me, yeah. a big part of that is, is listening to scientists learning from people who know what they're talking about, listening to people who have studied the evolution of human consciousness and how that has happened. Um, Oh, people used to believe in blood sacrifice all around the world. Um, Could that possibly have anything to do with the conversation in the Bible? (laughs) You know, Um, and then, and basically just realize, um, you know, I'm not going to get all this figured out, but I'm going to, I'm going to learn to love myself and I'm going to learn to love others yeah. and, and learn from others. And, um, yes. and, and I think, you know, 
could there be a, a, a divine being? Um, I don't think that is provable in an apologetics sense that a lot of Christians, you know, want to try to prove. Um, yeah. I would say if there's a God that this, there, it would, it would be some kind of a very different being than the guy at the top of the hierarchy. And, 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 but, you know, that's a question that I can't fully dive into at this point. My, my, I'm here to, to learn to love myself and learn to love my neighbor. Yeah. And if there's yeah. a, if there's a God worth uh, being present with, I think that God would be there in that love for one another. And maybe I'll turn yeah. out to be wrong. <clears throat> well, we may never know. <laughs> yeah, may never know. Uh, so we, we won't, we won't. Know. I mean, I mean, so, so two other things that, so, so one of the things that, you know, there are consequences to, beliefs and mm -hmm. then jettisoning jettisoning beliefs so um i mean i say rather sort of lightheartedly um you know if you know i mean some of my best friends are christians because mm -hmm. you know it, uh, equally some of them have sort of yeah they've sort of quietly ditch me because they can't cope with this type mm -hmm. of conversation um but um i think you know i i'd sort of joke and you you know the people i say well you know what happened and i say i suddenly noticed that you know jesus wasn't returning my calls mm -hmm. um, um one of the big things that uh you do have to cope with if you're going down the road that i've gone down is um if this is the one life then on the plus side you value it even more mm -hmm. um but uh the comfort that uh, christianity and other religious beliefs provide of you know there is an afterlife and you'll will be reunited with our loved ones etc etc um you know i i don't think that's true any longer and of course that is that's very traumatic i think if you know it, it it's it's not easy to actually if you come to the realize or come to the position i say not realization because it would be too much of a claim but if you come to the position that um the, the the comfort you got from an afterlife and thinking that um not in my own strength but you know i'm going to make the grade as it were because um because of this um savior who's going to take care of everything i've done wrong because mm -hmm. i've invested in in that position i mean that is actually uh that is quite difficult i found that quite, i found that quite difficult to process nevertheless uh for me it was a part of um just being totally honest about the consequences of no longer thinking there's or believing in a in a deity so that's mm -hmm. there, you know there there are there are traumas but in the same way that um uh you know i suppose if if i'd never been 
indoctrinated into the idea that there is an afterlife and you know we'll all meet up and <laughs> be bored to death for eternity singing strumming, songs strumming harps <laughs> or, yeah yeah really really bad choruses uh, yeah <laughs> uh, with repetitive uh, lines um um then i if I hadn't been sort of sucked down that rabbit hole, then I, it would have been I would it wouldn't have been a rabbit hole from which I'd have had to uh, crawl out. But yeah. um, and then the other thing is the other thing is that on on the basis of what I now believe, that I would allow the possibility, um, not that there's a, a sort of an interventionist deity as is. Um, described in you know some detail in the Bible, but there is the possibility of a of a you know a, a deist universe in which one or more gods have sort of like set the ball rolling and then just step back and say you know See universe, just just get on with it and mm-hmm. you know no, again no need to worship. I mean I do remember way back in school days my my best buddy at school who was. Um, you know, not a believer. It was a, 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 a you know, a church school of, you know, a, a, a school which was several hundred years older than the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of its old boys was William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, um, but he said, you know, because I, I was involved in, you know, church choirs and all the rest of it. And he said he just didn't understand, you know, if I was God, why would I want people worshipping me all day long? And that's actually, yeah. that's quite a good question, actually. Yeah, especially if like 98% of them are in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and then the 2% are that they're fine, either fine with that or they've forgotten about those other people even existed. And you're just there listening to yeah. their songs knowing their ignorance like yeah at some point that falls apart yeah so so uh you you did uh an is it an understatement to say you did quite a bit of worship leading in your time oh yeah i actually just graduated this year with a master's degree in worship wow yeah um but i it's it's funny like partway through my master's degree it just hit me i was like worship is hierarchy yeah. Like once I started seeing the connection between cosmology and theology and ethics and how yes. if you have a hierarchical cosmos, then you've got a hierarchical theology and then you've got ethics of people positioned one above the other. And yes. worship is just serving your way and glorying your way up the to the most powerful at the top of the hierarchy. That is what worship yes. is. And so my master's degree in worship basically became deconstructing worship. And um, so that was rather fascinating. My, my fellow students weren't exactly there with me on that journey, but. (laughs) No, no. Well, I mean, I suppose, I think something I can see that we share in common, I suspect is that um, there were times when my PhD, as you'd expect, was not a bed of roses. I mean, it was, it was, pretty tough going at times but uh you've completed your master's and i completed my phd so there's something that i think we share there which is maybe if we've started something we try to finish it however Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's a you know even if it's just a course but i mean you know that 
did people drop out of your master's oh, course yes. whilst you were there? Yeah. yeah. And there were people who fell by the wayside doing various weird PhDs mm-hmm. uh, in the department I was in, you know, just, and it's, yeah, so that's um, that, that's a shared value. <laughs> yeah. Sticking yeah. at sticking at stuff, yeah. so and so and so you're now. I mean, I I haven't been a um, practicing scientist. I went into uh, all sorts of strange, well, mainstream journalism, really, mm-hmm. um, and mainly edit stuff. And so, the, I guess, I, I mean, you're you're a master without a, a place to lead. Right? Yeah. Or, well. I, I don't, um, yeah, I'm not really interested in going back into the worship leading thing, no. but I feel like what my master's degree allowed me to do was to recognize the language of Christian liturgies and theologies and yes. specifically how they um, function as a hierarchy and ha- how that affects ethics, how it affects politics. And so now where I'm more at is I'm writing for a progressive Christian news agency called Baptist News Global. Primarily, I'm a freelance writer, so I can write for anybody. Okay. Um, okay. And they they gave me a platform, and and so I've just kept on writing for them, and I've had total freedom, and and basically just been uh-huh. writing pieces that will help Christians to recognize the disconnect um, between the hierarchical um, cosmos and theology and liturgy that they talk about all the time. And the yeah. reality that we actually have, and and yeah. and just help them learn to to move in that transition toward love of self and love of one another. So, yeah, um, yeah. it's been really really good, and that's that's kind of where I'm I'm planning. I'm not planning on going back and leading worship at a church, but um, I can I can definitely use my education for the writing side of it. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, uh, not a, such a sort of prestigious or leading level as you but I mean I've done uh I mean one of the things that held me or one of the big thing the big thing that held me probably above anything else in the faith for a very long time uh is music mm-hmm. and um um you know what I sort of asked myself you know why why did I last so long in the faith and it's it's because um, I think there are two two things. I, you know, just naturally, I tend to be a fairly loyal person, so I will sort of, in that sense, of stick in a situation uh, if I think it's unless I think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was the music, and you know, I got sort of captured by the amalgam of words and notes. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I was you know in the church choir when i was quite young about you know six which was i think before the normal recruitment age because i was just a very i was a prodigiously um prodigiously good reader and i just, I, I mean i know i you know I, i've it's just something i i i had um i know at the age of eight i had a reading age of at least 15 you know i got tested at school and and, and so mm-hmm. You know, and I think I can remember the teacher. We got to the word sepulchre, which I pronounced correctly. She said, "I think I've, I think we've had enough here," because <laughs> that was a word. That was a word that I knew through church, but I, I yeah. just saw it, remember, remembered it. And so over the years, I did, you know, choir, 
um, as a boy and then as a young tenor. Then I did counter tenor in a um, cathedral choir when I was doing my PhD. And then I sort of had enough of formal church music and I went into some music groups and, you know, I played congas and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, so that held me. And, and interestingly, even since what I'd call my, conveniently call my deconversion, I mean, I've still, I've gone back to do choral singing and quite a lot of it is religious texts but mm -hmm. you know I, I sort of treat them in a sort of different way now so i mean i have very occasionally in st paul's cathedral no less i have actually been in a choir you know leading a formal you know even song a liturgy mm -hmm. um but um you know devoid of you know I'm, I'm devoid of any of the sort of like religious faith side of it but it's still it's performance and it's um it's very enjoyable and and some of the stuff you know um i'd be an idiot i think to say well i'm not missing any religious material because i don't believe uh i don't subscribe to the belief system and hundred for hundreds of years that's where the money was yeah in, archit in architecture art uh, music um you know i'd be i'd be very foolish to say um I mean, to me, the great, probably the greatest piece of music I've sung in terms of technical challenge, there's a thing called the All Night Vespers by Rachmaninoff, which was, um, um, I mean, having to learn how to pronounce church Slavonic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's 55 minutes of unaccompanied. I mean, it's, it is utterly incredible piece of music. Um, and if you don't know, it might be, you know, might, I don't know, if, any sort of quote-unquote classical music is mm -hmm. your thing but it's just a sublime piece of music and technically it was the most challenging thing i've ever done as a you know as, a, as an amateur being led by very good professionals but yeah. you know i can appreciate yeah this guy was you know if he was in you know in love with the virgin mary or whatever and this was his way of expressing <laughs> it that's that's great and it's you know again it's through a vehicle of a a hierarchy, the, the Russian church, and it was written at the time of the First World War and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, so it is, it is fascinating, but you, it sounds like you're on a, you are, I know it's a cliche, but we're on a journey, but you are on a, an interesting uh, personal journey and you you do seem to me, um, if I may make a personal observation, you know, you, you, you do you you sound like you are in a um, in a good place you know, or in a healthy place of like reflection and um, being self-aware. The things that we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I think that 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 music stuff really it's a it's a it's a great opportunity for that because um, I'm not in choirs right now or anything, but no, no, you know you can, I mean. You, you learn when you're when you're there you're experiencing other people's humanity you're seeing things that make them come alive and and you're seeing things that cause them pain and you can be present with them and and maybe that can create a dialogue between you and um and that that's where i think the real the real um beauty is in life right now is is yeah. to be able to to have that together but, yeah 
I should probably get to bed because it's uh, 2.30 in the morning for me. And it's almost time for me to walk the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good, though. I appreciate you uh, reaching out on, on Twitter about this. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Richard Dixon. I thought it was really fascinating to have a conversation not only across generations but across the ocean and in uh, you know from people with a somewhat of a common background religiously but in in different spaces today. I thought it was really helpful to just talk through some things together and um, one of the things that, that really stuck out to me the most in our conversation was when he talked about the consequences of his atheism, and specifically for after death, what, what happens after death. And I just, I thought that, that was such a powerful part of the conversation and, and something that I wish Christians would do more of, to explore the consequences of your theology because I don't think that we often think of that. We think of, okay, you know, what is, how do I interpret certain verses or how do I hold certain things systematically in my head together? Uh, you know, what are some different systems of, of theology that we've, uh, you know, way we've ordered it and, and used logic to think about things? But we don't often think about the consequences of theology. And, you know, if you look at, just take the what let's take the the view of of after death like what happens when you die there are you know, most evangelicals today assume that anyone who's not an evangelical is going to have eternal conscious torment in the lake of fire so 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 explore the consequences of that theology is that going to be a result where you can be in heaven and just celebrate and sing songs and and have pleasures forevermore, knowing that that's happening. How would you feel about that? Maybe you might say, well, my feelings about that aren't relevant. What matters is what's true. And and, and so you're going to have to sit in in those spaces of, okay, is it not relevant that that billions of people would be burning for forever? Uh, and, and, and so then another... Another view within Christianity of what happens after death would be annihilationism. And that's the idea that, that people who are not Christians, they just cease to exist. Maybe they have some kind of a painful burning end, but then they cease to exist. And, and, and again, you, know, you, you need to ask yourself, what are the consequences of that theology? Is that something that you're, that you're fine with, that... Uh, is that something that you could celebrate? And then, um, and then also, the, there's a third option out there, and that is universalism. And there are different forms of universalism, but ultimately, universalism is about the making of all things new, and about everyone belonging, and about um, everyone having an afterlife of reconciling the disconnections within themselves and amongst themselves. And so... And maybe you're maybe you're an atheist or an agnostic, and you, and you just think it's it's the end, 
And, and so each of those positions have certain consequences that you need to be able to process. And I thought that Richard did a really powerful job of modeling the consequences of his theology and, and where he's, how he's been processing through that for us. And if you're, if you're looking at, if you would like a resource for this, I'd recommend a book called Why Is There Suffering by Bethany Solarator. She uh, is at Oxford, and she has put together a pick-your-own-theological-expedition book where you can look at the assumptions you have right now, and then she'll give you choices where you can pick, um, you know, I think God is this way. And so she says, go to page, whatever, 33 or something. And then you go to there and then you, you, you take this journey and you see uh, where the journey of your theology might take you. And eventually it comes to this place where she says, okay, this is the end result of your theology. What are the consequences that you feel about that? Um, and, 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 and how do you, how are you reflecting on that? Where is your heart in all of this? And so I think that is a, a really good resource uh, for those of us who are wanting to begin to have some self-awareness on some of these issues. And um, unfortunately, though, those in power within white conservative evangelicalism do not really seem to be that interested in cultivating these levels of self-awareness. U- ultimately, many of them in, in the mainstream ministries, they're more, seem more concerned with culture wars these days. And so in June of 2020, Kevin DeYoung came up with a culture war strategy for the Gospel Coalition. And that is what we're going to be talking about on our next episode of The Opening. I don't think that the church has integrity to speak any good news at all until the church actually understands the reality that it is living and has crafted bad news in public policy. It has established theological foundations for oppression that have lived throughout the times and only changed shape over the generations, but has not been repented of. Bad theology always produces diminished psychology. Diminished psychology produces dysfunctional sociology. Dysfunctional sociology always produces oppressive anthropology, and then they always produce oppressive economics and ideologies. So it all flows from bad theology. Your notion of God is wrong or flawed. Your notion of self and others and power is wrong. Thank you for listening to The Opening Podcast with Rick Pitcock. The Opening is a podcast that deconstructs the power dynamics of religious hierarchies and opens us up to healthy relationship. For more information about today's episode, please check out rickpitcock.com and follow on social media at Rick Pitcock.